0: Welcome to Talk with Dr. Jenny. Today's guest is Dr. Mark Murray talking about confidence and self-esteem. Dr. Murray grew up along the coast in central New Jersey and has been on the move ever since. He attended the University of South Carolina for undergrad where he graduated from the College of Science and Engineering with honors. From there, he attended Drexel University where he obtained a master's in medical science and completed medical school at Rowan School of Osteopathic Medicine. He then moved on to pediatric residency training at Prisma Health Children's Hospital in Columbia, South Carolina, where he was chief resident. Since completing residency, Dr. Murray has been practicing primary care pediatrics in Austin, Texas, where he helps care for the diverse pediatric population of Austin. Dr. Murray is a board certified pediatrician and a member of the AAP. His special interests include preventative care, as well as care for the LGBTQIA youth and more. Dr. Murray loves being able to care for children of all ages and helps their parents navigate the many stages of parenthood. Welcome, Dr. Murray.
1: Welcome to Kids Doc Talk with Dr. Jenny. Dr. Jenny is a board-certified pediatrician and is the Director of Telemedicine at Pediatric Associates.
0: Hi, Dr. Murray. Thank you so much for joining me. Welcome.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: So I'm excited to talk about this topic because a few episodes ago, I actually had a child and adolescent psychiatrist on, and we talked a lot about resilience and building resilience in kids. And I suspect that that is tied very heavily to um, like self-esteem and confidence in kids. And I find that parents, like as a general pediatrician, parents come to me with these questions, usually like around early, early teenage adolescence. And I suspect that that conversation should probably start a little bit sooner. So I want to delve into some of that with you. But first, what, what's the importance of discussing healthy self-esteem and what, what is the association with this and then like later development in life and adulthood?
1: Yeah. So you're absolutely right. You know, this is something that we do see as, you know, general pediatricians in the office all the time, excuse me, but You know, confidence or self-esteem or self-worth are all kind of words that we use interchangeably, and it's something that most parents and caretakers, they're aware of, but sometimes it's not the main thing we focus on, you know. Um, We talk about growing, we talk about developmental milestones, we talk about getting good grades, making friends, all that stuff. But what we don't usually kind of talk about is how important a healthy self-esteem or self-worth or self-image is when you're developing and fostering all those great things. So, you know, we're not feeling good about ourselves, then, you know, our milestones may fall behind or we may fall behind in our grades. We may, you know, lack those certain friend groups that we're craving so much. But. <clears throat> you know, kids who have a healthy sense of self-worth or confidence, they, they feel good about themselves, just like an adult would. So, you know, you know when you're feeling good and you're walking around with your head high. It's the same thing for kids. If they're not feeling good, then it's hard for them to kind of get all those extra stuff done throughout the day. The stuff that really kind of builds them up to being you know, a strong individual person. Um, you know, so kids who have good self-esteem, they tend to try new things and they try their best at these new things. You know, they're trying really hard. Um, it even helps, you know, good self-esteem to encourage kids to continue to try despite their failures. So kids with good self-esteem, when there is a setback, they can, they tend to kind of, you know, pull themselves back up and get back at it. Um, it helps them feel proud of what they do. They take ownership of the things that they do and it helps them do better in school and at home and with friends. Um, so I think we kind of, not underestimate how important a healthy of self-esteem is, but I think we kind of brush over it when everything else seems to be going well. You know, we focus on the more tangible stuff. Um, we also know that children with positive views of themselves or self-worth uh, carry this into adulthood. So that's why it's super important to have these conversations early and to actually address them. Um, <clears throat> children who are feeling good about themselves, they have this sense of well-being and productiveness that they move through life with kids with high self-esteem or high self-worth, you know, this does get moved into the adulthood with them. It's helps them be productive, it helps them be unique, it helps them foster good relationships. Um and higher self-esteem in childhood is associated with, you know, overall better well-being and mental health, you know, come adulthood. Um it helps us to learn how to adjust when life throws you that curveball, you know. Um when things all of a sudden aren't going your way, you're able to kind of set back and, you know, take a look at it and continue to move forward rather than just giving up. Um, and even some studies have shown that the higher self-esteem in childhood can translate to higher satisfaction with your professional and family life as you get older. So, you know, all these little things that kind of piece together to make each kid kind of whole and keep, make each kid kind of their own individual are super important to touch on when we're seeing them and when the parents are talking to them.
0: So this seems like a really critical like topic for us to focus on, a really critical value to instilling kids early on. So as general pediatricians, right, our goal is always prevention, prevention, prevention. So I'm thinking when we start to see kids on the younger side of things, like little kids where we're maybe not thinking so much yet about confidence and self-esteem, what can we do to focus on these things and to build, I guess, confidence, right, and to build resiliency in early childhood?
1: Yeah. So absolutely. You know, I don't think it's ever too early to start kind of being that cheerleader for your kid, you know, um, self-esteem building starts almost right away, even, you know, in that newborn or, you know, baby development, it can start developing just because a baby feels safe or loved and accepted. Um, you know, and when they're super young like that, it can be something as simple as telling your new baby that you love them, you know, um, So, you know, right off the bat, we're doing some pretty great things to help foster confidence and good self-esteem just by loving our kids. And then as they grow and develop, their need for positive input from their parents and caretakers grow and change. And we need to kind of be, you know, attuned to that. But kind of for your questions for like the real young kids, for the babies, um, you know, as they grow from babies and toddlers and they start to be able to do things on their own, or at least they think they're doing things on their own, right? Um, it's important to recognize that these strides, even though sometimes they may seem like they aren't a huge deal to the child or the toddler doing them, you know, that's a huge deal for them. You know, the first time they do something ever in their life, you know, that's got to be pretty mind blowing for them. And, you know, I think as parents to help kind of instill, you know, that good self-worth or self-esteem, it's important to recognize that. So, you know, when your baby or toddler tries something new, maybe as, you know, simple as trying to crawl or even reach for a book you put in front of them, you know, be that goofy parent that gets on the floor and cheers them on and congratulates them when they try to wiggle and, you know, let out all those little funny baby noises that they make. Um, You know, I think just kind of being that parent, you know, that you kind of seem kind of corny sometimes, but, you know, you're in their face and you're cheering them on. I think that's, you know, so great. Um, and as they get a little bit older, you may need to adjust your dial a little bit because you're not going to, you know, jump up and down and, you know, put on a cheerleading show every time your kid takes a step. But, um, you know, I think it's something to keep in mind when you're praising your children. So some things I like to talk to parents about are, you know, as they get older and they start doing more and more things and, um, you want to, you want to praise their efforts. Don't just focus on their results, especially as they kind of get into their little older years, you know? um you don't want to always just focus on winning or good grades or you know even staying on the balance beam the entire time when you're up gymnastics class you know comment on their effort their progress their positive attitude things like that i think are super important
0: so i i like that i think that's really concrete advice to to be the cheerleader and to focus on the effort and you mentioned a lot about positive reinforcement and positive messages i think we're going to touch on that a lot because i think that's probably the answer to a lot of these things but When as parents, we're looking to assess our kids' self-esteem, any really good ways to accurately do that? Because I feel like it sort of is the default for parents to be like, no, my kid is fine. Like they're happy, they're functioning. Mm -hmm. And I I don't know that there's any good way for us to say, okay, what, what is, what is really like my child's self-esteem? What is, how can I evaluate this accurately and really objective and without like necessarily just assuming that everything is fine.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Because like we were saying, you know, especially at doctor's visits with parents, you know, we're focusing on how they're doing in school, you know, are they growing well, you know, are they being healthy? Um, So sometimes it is hard to kind of hone in and, you know, pick apart what our kids self-esteem, you know, is it intact? Is it going well? Are we struggling? Um, So there are definitely some kids, some things you can look out for. Um, It's, can become apparent as, you know, young as toddler and school-age kids, and then it can come even more apparent or they can be even better at hiding it as they move in their teenage years. But, you know, some things to look out for with kids with low, low self-esteem are children who just kind of avoid tasks or challenges altogether um, without even trying. So, you know, they will be asked to do something and they just say, no, I'm not doing that. Or they throw a temper tantrum, you know, tantrums are normal, but if they're constantly trying to avoid things, you know, that could be a problem that maybe they don't think they can do it. And maybe you need to have a conversation about that. And then also, you know, children or kids who give up on something as soon as the first obstacle is thrown in their way. Um, You know, kids who can't pivot or adjust and kind of they can't deal with those expected setbacks that we kind of have to, you know, learn and grow through throughout life um kids with low self-esteem they tend not to push themselves and they they tend not to continue to try towards that goal they'll kind of take a step back and like we said kind of refuse to do things um some other things we can see with kids with low self-esteem are cheating or lying when they think things are going poorly um or they're going to lose you know of course um lying or changes of the rules when you're playing, you know, with a school age kid and they don't like that you're winning the board game. And they say, no, you know, actually the rules are this now and I win. That's normal. But if it's something that you're seeing on a daily basis where, you know, they can't enjoy a game with friends or with a family, game night or anything like that, because they get so worried about losing, they kind of just shut down or they start cheating or lying. Then, you know, that can be concerning too, that maybe, you know, there's something more going on and we need to have a conversation about, how they feel about themselves and you know why they're doing this um <clears throat> with older kids you know i don't know if we want to get into teenage stuff or save that for later but uh, so, so we can't we
0: can't i definitely have some questions about teenagers but i want to follow up on something because i think it's super interesting these things that you're describing these actions of avoiding things that are difficult or quitting when things are hard are things that we sometimes see with kids who are really high achieving right? Kids who have really good grades and are used to things coming very easily for that maybe kids kids who we label or consider gifted or who might be very bright and aren't necessarily used to having to work at something and then, right, display these sort of signs of frustration when things are challenging. And so I think it's important that we're not equating um, high self-esteem and high achievement, which is, I think, kind of your whole point, right? We focus on these metrics, whether it's developmental milestones or academic achievements, and that doesn't necessarily mean that you are dealing with a child who has high self-esteem. In fact, it could be the complete opposite, right? A child who's used to high achieving things doesn't have to try, and when they're faced with a challenge, suddenly doesn't feel so good about themselves.
1: Absolutely, you know, um, all those kids that are high achievers maybe, you know, they're doing really great in school and they can kind of sometimes base their entire sense of well-being on, you know, their grades and things like that. And the, like you said, the, the minute something goes wrong or they don't do as well as a test or even they get like a B minus on a test and kind of come to a screeching halt. And, you know, even though that they are these, you know, high achievers doing great and on the outside, they really seem like they kind of have all the self-confidence in the world that sometimes it can be pretty fragile for kids.
0: So I think that's a great segue to talk about teenagers, because I think that (laughs) that perfectly describes a lot of teenagers. So let's talk about uh, maybe some good ways to differentiate like normal teenage behavior, which we know sometimes can be kind of all over the place, which is expected. Right. And, And we know that there's a lot of changes going on at that time versus like a deeper behavioral problem. Maybe a teenager who really, really feels bad about themselves. And certainly we know there could be some really devastating consequences that come out of that.
1: Yeah, so, you know, absolutely. Um, Teenagers can be some of the most interesting and some of the most challenging, you know, not only, you know, kids, but also patients that we deal with on a daily basis. Um, And then, you know, getting down to the teenage self-esteem and self-image, I think sometimes can be some of the most challenging things we do at office as, you know, general pediatricians. Um, I like to remind parents that we were all teenagers at some point, so we can try to appreciate what they're going through and how it can be a very difficult and trying time whether it be you know emotionally, physically, all the you know, crazy interesting stuff that goes on when you're a teenager. Um, but being able to talk to them or look out for things or problems with their self-image or help foster a good self-image can really make all the difference for the super difficult time that some kids have. Um, you know, with that being said, all teams they go through adjustment periods where they're trying to fit in with their peers and you know you know how it goes when someone's wearing the newest coolest shoes all of a sudden the entire group of friends needs those shoes and then if you don't have those shoes maybe you're on cool um and this is normal you know normal part of teenage development is you want to fit in you want to be accepted by your peer group you're seeking approval from their peers and you know you're even seeking more approval from your peers rather than your parents at that time so it can be even harder for parents to try to assess their self-esteem and see how they're doing um But like we said, keep talking about as, you know, as parents, as caretakers, as pediatricians, it's uh, important to kind of hone in and really take a look at what's normal teenage behavior and what's abnormal. So um, normal teenage behavior can be all over the place. So I kind of want to talk about, you know, what kind of would be like some red flags or some, you know, abnormal things that you should kind of look out for so. You know, the first one would be social isolation. Most teams, they want to be part of their peer group. Um, They want to hang out with friends. They may not want to hang out with mom and dad on a Friday night, but they want to go out and do things with their friends. So if all of a sudden they stop wanting to do things with friends, they start losing friends, getting a lot of fights with friends, or they, you know, don't want to attend things that they used to enjoy, like, you know, if they used to like going to the movies or basketball games, things like that, you know, that would be concerning. Um, another one would be, uh, you know, steep decline in their grades. You know, if you have an AB student and then all of a sudden their grades start dropping off and, you know, they're having trouble in school or they're getting in trouble in school and the teachers are having problems with them, you know, and that may be something that's a little bit more deep rooted than just your normal teenage angsty drama stuff going on. Um, <clears throat> stark changes in appetite. So, you know, eating very little or eating a ton can be a sign that something's going on. Um, that they could be struggling with, you know, body image problems, they could be struggling with self worth problems. So, so always something to keep in in, uh, mm-hmm. in mind. And then also, of course, you know, voicing or even telling you that they're depressed, they're feeling lonely, or they've had thoughts of wanting to hurt themselves, or if they had thoughts of wanting to hurt themselves, you know, these are things that we take super seriously as pediatricians. And that warrants, you know, an emergent evaluation by a healthcare professional that usually means going to the emergency department. But Um, important to look out for these things, you know, because it's an ever changing world out there. And, you know, we all want what's best for kids, you know, parents included. So we're just we're just trying to help.
0: So that's, that's really helpful. And when we're talking about younger kids, you mentioned some concrete ways to sort of start working on their confidence, right? With babies, you make a really big deal about things that right, their milestones and with older kids, right? Every time they learn a new task, you make a really big deal about it. Anything similar that we can do for older kids or even teenagers to help build up their confidence?
1: Yeah, so, you know, you want, you know, after they get out of that baby period, you know, um, you're not going to be like we've talked about celebrating every time they take a step or anything like that. But, you know, some things you can do when they're a little bit older, but not quite teenagers yet, Um, would be, you know, talking to them in positive terms, but also letting them know that there is room for them to continue to grow and improve. Um, So, like we said, talking about praising their efforts, so saying things, you know, like, wow, you're working so hard at school, you're doing amazing, I'm really proud of you. Um, When you see them, you know, working on things and trying to get better, or, you know, wow, every week you're getting better and better at these, you know, spelling tests that we're doing and these spelling quizzes you know, trying to help build up that self-confidence. And I know that's kind of mostly about school, but, you know, that's kind of the easier example, but even, you know, things with outside of school where you, you know, maybe they didn't have their best, you know, performance at soccer or anything like that. And I know for little kids soccer, it's kind of just them running around, but it's important to help foster those feelings of teamwork and, you know, working together. So if, you know, their soccer game doesn't go well, you can say, you know, I'm proud of you for not giving up. I'm proud of you for continuing to play it looks like you still had fun out there. Things like that to kind of help, you know, point them in direction where this is going to be a positive experience, and it's also a learning experience at the same time. Um, some people like to talk about the appraise to criticism ratio, and kind of think about like a compliment sandwich, where um, you know, if they're having a bad day or you're worried about their self esteem, you kind of you you tell them what they did good. So you know, wow, well, you know, I'm so happy that you made it to you know, baseball practice on time and you stayed the entire time and did great, you know, maybe next time when the coach asks you to do this, you, you know, you can listen to him or let him know, you know, why you got so upset, but, you know, I'm proud of you for sticking through it. And, you know, I think next week's going to be even better. Um, So little things like that, especially for the younger kids. And I think you have to be careful with young kids because I think they listen a little bit more than we give them credit for. And I think they can kind of pick up when we're being a little bit phony. So, you know, I think trying to make sure that what you're saying is truthful and meaningful is important, even for the smaller kids.
0: I think, I think that's true. I think it's important to not just like dole out praise artificially because you're right. Kids are smarter than, than we think they are. But my main takeaway from, from all of that, I think to summarize is not to be like results oriented, right? We're not saying good job on making Mm -hmm. that goal, right? Or good job Mm -hmm. on getting that A or good job on accomplishing this task. It's really praising their effort or praising the thing that you know that they had to overcome or that was challenging for them, because ultimately that is what's going to drive them to continue to improve, um, which is probably great for their confidence and and is what is going to help them have higher self-esteem.
1: Yeah, Uh absolutely.
0: This this wouldn't be a, a podcast episode without me asking about you know p- pandemic and how the pandemic has changed things. So, um, any any changes that you've seen in like patterns of how kids are showing self esteem or how kids you know maybe have or do not have as much self confidence pre and mm-hmm. post pandemic, or are you kind of seeing status quo?
1: So, I think you know it's the pandemic hard for everyone. It upended our lives. You know people have lost loved ones, people have lost parents, and, you know, the, just the routines that children have grown to expect and get used to were just totally upended and seemed to change and, you know, what was like a blink of an eye and then all of a sudden it's three years later and things are continuing to change almost every single day. Um, from most of the kids I'm seeing and the parents I'm talking to, it seems like the hardest part was for these youngsters to kind of build relationships with their peers, you know, they, were stuck at home doing video classes and, you know, um, not being able to go to their high school dances and things like that. So we weren't exposing them to what was like the normal social setting that we were so used to. Um, but you know, the kids are adapting to this new normal. And like I always say, you know, children are so resilient and they're, you know, as much as they like routines and things like that, they're pretty flexible adjusting to new ones. Um, so I've been encouraging parents, you know, get their kids back out there in a safe way, whatever safe for your family to try to get them, you know, re to going out and building those relationships, you know, being part of a team, being part of band, um, and just kind of getting back to being kids again, whatever that looks like your new normal with your family and in your community. Um, I think trying to get them back to some sense of normality is the fastest way we can get them to kind of get back on track with building relationships. And, you know, we know that's a big part of self-esteem with kids is you know those social interactions they have with kids if they're if they're positive that kind of carries through you know childhood and then into adult life you know learning how to depend on others and work with others and you know making sure that you're feeling good about yourself
0: that's helpful I think for us to sort of look at and monitor how kids are going to progress um and how we're um transitioning back into post pandemic life, if you can call it that yet. Um, But you know, whenever we're evaluating, or at least whenever I'm evaluating like somebody for any kind of behavioral concern, I always ask if there's been any major life changes, right? I ask if there's death in the family, a divorce, maybe something else that's um, been acutely upsetting for them. How are major life events like that linked to confidence? Or do we know that there's any potential harm in a child's self-esteem or confidence when they do have a major life event, either a positive or, you know, maybe negative one, like a a new sibling, right? So we know sometimes that can upheal um, a a child's sort of routine and all of that. Anything for us to watch for in terms of its link to to self-esteem.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think this also comes back to how we were talking about how kids are so much more in tune to what's going on around them than what we usually ever give them credit for. So, you know, there's a lot of research and talk about ACEs or ARBs or adverse childhood experiences. Um, And what that is, it's basically any event in a child's life that can negatively impact their well-being. Um, These experiences are becoming much more well-studied now, And they're known to damage self-esteem, they damage self-worth, they damage overall health, you know, kind of from top to bottom. So it's super important that we talk about and identify these things. Some of the examples are the things that you talked about. So, you know, any kind of neglect, whether that be physical or emotional, obviously that's going to play into kids' self-esteem. They're, you know, they're not going to feel as important, as special, as loved, you know. If there's, you know, emotional or physical neglect, then maybe those aren't the kids who are getting the cheerleader parents who are super excited for them. And, you know, in the long term, how does that play out for them? Um, Obviously any kind of abuse, you know, physical, emotional, anything like that, that's going to set children back. That's going to damage their self-worth. And, you know, when kids like that come into our office, we have to be able to identify them and not only identify them, but, you know, talk to them about it, talk to their caregivers about what's going on and how we can use some of the things we talked about to foster, you know, positive self-esteem self-esteem. Other things like you talked about would be, you know, household dysfunction. I think a big one right now that we're going to see is loss of a parent or loved one after the COVID pandemic. Um, You know, it's some kids when, if they're young enough, when this is all going on, they can't really wrap their heads around, you know, why grandma's not with us anymore, you know, and that makes me feel sad. And I, you know, that can definitely damage their self-esteem as well. Things like divorce of a parent, incarcerated caregivers, caregivers with mental illness, all these things we know can negatively impact children, can impact teenagers, babies, anyone. Um, and I think the big takeaway is that as pediatricians, primary care doctors, we need to, we need to ask the questions. You know, um, kids today seem to be very outgoing for the most part and willing to share. But we need to be able to ask the question about, you know, what's going on, you know, at home. You know, is there a big change? Have we lost someone? You know, and how can we help identify these kids before we get to a point where you know we start dealing with other mental health issues that kind of snowball from low self esteem and low self worth? I
0: think I think that's true, and that that made me think of like these are important questions for us to ask always, right, as parents and as physicians. But I think um, more so for. Families and for kids who are in the foster care system, right? Um, Kids who maybe right have a lot of adverse childhood events, right? More so than the than typical child or a typical uh, neurotypical child with you know a nuclear family that isn't changing. Um, We have to be really sensitive, I think, to those unique situations. One thing that we didn't talk about that just kind of popped into my head that I think is really critical when we talk about confidence and self esteem in in this day and age is social media, right? And the huge impact that we know social media has on, on kids earlier than I think parents want to admit or, or care to admit, um, any, any thoughts that you have on that?
1: Yeah. So we know that social media, even just anecdotally from seeing, you know, kids in the office is playing such a huge role in these kids' lives. Um, and like you said, they're being exposed to it so, so early now that it's almost, it's almost mind boggling. Um, I think the most important thing is to start the conversation early with them. Um, As parents, you know, we need to have strict guidelines and rules and expectations for online behavior and what we can, what kids can view online, what's age appropriate. And also to start the conversations early about, you know, things that are put online are, you know, kind of covered in gold and shiny and glittery. And, you know, it's not really real life and, Um, not everything that you see on the computer is going to be true and it's not everything that you need to aspire to be. I think that a lot of our, especially teenagers are being set up to try to reach these unobtainable goals and, you know, to look a certain way, to act a certain way, to dress a certain way. And I think it's kind of like, you know, normal peer pressure from 15, 30 years ago put on steroids because now it's in your face all the time. So having a good set of expectations right off from the beginning, Um, Having, you know, we talk about like social media or internet contracts with parents and their kids, you know, you're allowed to spend this much time, you're allowed to use this website, you're not allowed to use this website, things like that right in the beginning, make it a lot easier to kind of have conversations about and, you know, enforce, rather than trying to address it when a problem arises later on down the road.
0: Yeah, I think prevention is a really important piece of that. And being realistic about what teenagers are exposed to, I find that a lot of parents don't necessarily understand the reality of what kids are exposed to in, in school, even if they maybe have some different expectations or different rules at home. And as we keep saying, kids are smarter than we give them credit for, and, right? Kids, kids have access to all these things that we didn't have when we were kids and teenagers. So I think it's really critical for parents to understand what's out there and have open dialogue with their kids to say exactly, exactly what you're saying, that this is not real, right? So all the things that, that kids and especially teenagers who we know are so impressionable, um, what they're seeing is not reality. Because I think we already know there's studies to show that exposure, early exposure to social media, certain types of social media, pictures and things like that um, are absolutely linked to low self-esteem, right? And feeling like you're less than all these other things that you're seeing online. Absolutely. Any any other takeaways or any key points that you want parents to be aware of so we can help build healthy, resilient and confident kids?
1: Yeah. I think the one thing I wanted to touch on um, was, you know, a special population, the LGBTQIA, you know, and more youth and, you know, how sometimes they can experience heightened problems with self esteem or self-worth. Um, you know, we talked about earlier that teens they crave acceptance with peers and they want to be included in a group and part of the social circle. So, you know, imagine being a teenager, but then also identifying as queer and trying to navigate through that and maintain a positive self-image. I mean, good self confidence, you know, and just kind of also be a teenager at the same time. That's a lot of pressure placed on these kids. Um, that you know, queer youth or LGBTQIA youth, they're a special population, and we know from research that they tend to have more, you know, aces or adverse childhood experiences or events. They can have a harder time fitting in. They can have a difficult time with family relationships and dynamics. And these, like we said, all these things can set them up for trouble with self esteem or self worth issues. Um, And then we also, you know, these kids, they're a special population because they're almost right now constantly talked about um, in news and they're, you know, constantly in political discourse and their identity seems to be almost, you know, weaponized against them at sometimes. And, um, you know, a lot of my patients who do identify as queer, I must say, are some of the most resilient patients that I have. But I think just, you know, having the space to open up the conversation with them about you know, hey, I know there's a lot going on now, you know, right now, and there's all been a lot of things in the news. You know, how are you feeling about that? Um, do you have anyone to talk to about it? Things like that. Um, like I said earlier, you know, this the generation that is teenagers right now. They seem to be much more open and willing to discuss things, which I think is great. You know, I, they they share stuff with me that I could not imagine sharing as a teenager when I was, you know, fifteen. But um, I love it, and I think just knowing keeping in the back of your mind that you know there's a lot more kids identifying as queer these days you know this it is for showing it and knowing that when someone from that population comes into your office that you know paying special care to you know what's going on with them and their self-esteem and self-worth I think is paramount
0: that's fantastic fantastic advice thank you so much thank you for your for your concrete suggestions um, and and a really really fantastic discussion thank you so much
1: Thank you so much for having me. This is great.
0: Make sure you like us on Facebook
1: and follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Thank you for joining us on Kids Doc Talk.